citizens, welcome to Beer Me A Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is a show where we arbitrarily score movies, and if they line up with the Rotten Tomatoes critical score, audience score, we gotta drink. And you should too. If you're a team player, you should drink too. Get off the bench. Drink. Exactly. It's not fun if you don't play along. At that point, it's just two people who are drinking yelling at you, just yelling opinions, and that is a <laughs> nightmare. Imagine sitting in a room, and people are drinking around you while talking at you, and you're just hanging out. That's no fun. Drink with us. It's worse than that, though, because most people probably listen in their car, and that is just a moving bubble of imminent death, really. Have a car? Gonna die. It is week number two of All Horror October. We don't have a clever name like we do with Augians for this one. No, no, I I hated Augians so fast that I decided that for a few months I can't name the month. That's probably the right move. But for week number two, this was my pick. Spooktober, by the way. Jesus Christ, he did name it. <laughs> he held that one back real nicely. Uh, I hate it already. Yeah, well, it's going to stick. Welcome to... Spooktober, folks. <laughs> this week, I decided to be here all y'all. The Lost Boys from 1987, directed by Joel fucking Schumacher. Joel fucking Schumacher. This is like a movie I always forget that he directed. Why? I don't know. There's just something about this movie in my mind. There's a blank space on who directed it. And also in Joel Schumacher's filmography, there's a blank space in 1987. I don't know what he did that year. It's this one. You're not even using your memory. You're reading it off your cheat sheet that you made. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I always forget that he did this movie, and boy, am I glad he did. Is it because like you think of him as Batman now? I think of him as the director of Phantom of the Opera. Fair enough. I understand that one, too. I and Phone Booth. Totally down with the music of the night. And Those Colin two movies Farrell. right there. It's really just a shame they couldn't do a crossover with that and put Gerard Colin Butler? Farrell in the mask in a phone booth singing. It would have been lovely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Replace Gerard Butler with Colin Farrell. You've got yourself a movie with a guy who still can't sing. That's right. <laughs> that is a really disappointing musical adaptation. But at least he uses the front of his mouth. Also true. Now, Brian, you've seen this thing how many times? So many. Uh, innumerable. I'm happy you said that because I want to open up this episode with a question that we got. Oh, okay. And it's from Doug Hartfield, and he wants to know <laughs> if you are in a safe enough place to watch this again. I'm going to need some context behind that question. Uh, Doug is a, is a good friend from high school. Uh, we were also neighbors. And when he found out I had never seen this movie, he remedied that. And then he watched me walk home looking up at the sky the whole time. You were that scared of it? No, it's just I just happened to be looking up, and, and it became a thing. A running bit, if you will. I love it. That's good for Doug. Also, keeping tabs on his boy toy, watching him get home. That's nice. <laughs> I don't remember. Maybe he was walking with me. Maybe we're coming from my house. I don't remember, but. Either way, chivalry lives with Doug Hartfield. I'm happy you made it home. <laughs> this is my first time seeing it. That blows my mind. It's one that people have said, you need to watch it. You're going to love it. And I went, eh, vampos, you know, that's fine. They're going to yeah, bite but... some necks or something. <laughs> this is a very different kind of vampo. It really, really is. I, I want to just dive right into this thing neck first yeah. if we can, because I'm so excited. I have <laughs> so many questions. So many. <laughs> I have answers for you because I've seen this movie enough times to grant you that. I don't know if you can answer all my questions. There's so many. Challenge like, there accepted. Are, I, I remember texting you while watching this going, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Uh, also, loved it. I want to throw that out there right away. Let's get right into the plot synopsis provided by one writer, McStrikely, whose name will not be changing, even though the strikes have or are ending. Yeah, we're preparing for the next one in a few years. We're just getting ahead of the game. Exactly. Lucy Emerson, Diane fucking Weist. I don't know why it started with her, but do <laughs> you, Ryder McStrikely? <laughs> Fresh from a divorce, and her two sons, Michael and Sam, played by Jason Patrick and Corey fucking Haim. That was an interesting choice to only give one of these uh, quote-unquote brothers the fucking. You know what? <laughs> I think it was because of the way Ryder McStrikely combined them, and I was writing, reading the names that don't I just forgot Ryder to McStrikely give it. Don't blame Ryder McStrikely for your 
being disrespectful. Apologies Jason to the Patrick. entire Patrick family. Well, just look at his filmography after this. Is he doing better than Corey Haim? You know what? That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, Michael, and Sam decide to trade the desert for the coast and settle down in Santa Carla, California. But this town isn't your typical beachside paradise. It's got a dark secret. It's the murder capital of the world, and not because of its beach volleyball championships. Does that suggest that, like, the Santa Carla dragons, I don't know what they would call themselves, that they just murder the competition at their sweet bumps and sets and shit? <laughs> I don't know what the implication is here. <laughs> I have no Is clue. there a lot of murder at beach volleyball championships? Randy McStrikely is probably just like, Fuck it. Strike's over. I don't even give a shit anymore. <laughs> They're going to replace me with a real writer, so I'm just going to write some dumb shit. We're really not, writer McStrikely. You are the safest that there's ever been. Yeah, we can't afford a real writer. <laughs> we can't even afford GPT-4 to make you even better at your job. <laughs> that blows my mind that you can unlock smarter computer. For just $20 a month, you too can have smarter computer. I don't know if I like that. Feels like a different horror movie. It's like the social network too. There's a sequel <laughs> that we can do in the future. Ooh, that would be a fun one. <laughs> Grandpa, played by Bernard fucking Hughes. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the biggest fucking you can drop in this movie goes to Bernard Hughes. Grandpa's house becomes their new haunt. But there's a surprise. <laughs> I was waiting for one and there it was. He threw it out there, there right is. away. But there's a surprising lack of TVs, which leaves Sam utterly disappointed. Womp womp. But Grandpa does get the TV guide. He likes to read the TV guide because then he doesn't have to watch the TV. That's because he's quirky as all get out. He's so good. The two brothers venture out to explore their eerie new neighborhood. At a beach concert, Michael's eyes lock onto a mesmerizing girl played by Jamie Gertz. But she vanishes into the crowd faster than you can say sunscreen. <laughs> Maybe we do need to hire a human. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, how about beach stuff? Well, let's just do beach stuff. Okay. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed, Ryder McStrike, for not bringing up the, the greased-up saxophone player. Tim fucking Capello. He is so greasy, and he is just leaning into those notes on that Those saxophone. notes. They're trying to make, like, Kenny G sexy, and I don't think I I like that. I would appreciate that, but I don't Kenny think I, I like that. Kenny G's sexy enough. Is he, though? Kenny G's so sexy. Come on. He's got the flowing locks, and apparently he's really good friends with Rob Lowe, according to Rob Lowe, which is weird. Wow, that's probably not our last mention of Rob Lowe in this episode. No? Did you not see the poster? What poster? The very seductive-looking poster of Rob Lowe that Sam has on his closet door. Oh, boy. All right, well, it was the 80s. Yeah, the 80s. I have so many questions about Sam, and now I have more. So oh, many. <laughs> well, a lot of people have that question. So while Michael unknowingly goes vampire hunting... Lucy ex <laughs> That's the most ridiculous line ever. <laughs> Lucy explores the local nightlife and finds herself working for Max, played by Edward fucking Herman. Yeah. The video store owner with charisma and a hidden agenda. So I have to ask this question about this movie, because it was the only thing that really went through my mind until I saw Corey Haim take a bath, and then I had a million other questions. <laughs> Is this movie offensively 80s, aggressively 80s, unabashedly 80s, or just the most perfect encapsulation of the 80s? I think the answer is yes. Okay. Grotesquely 80s. Like, I don't know why when they tried to do that 80s show, they didn't just put on The Lost Boys. It should have just been The Lost Boys on the loop. And that's it. Or just have Glenn Howard in Mystery Science Theater 3000, this movie, just over and over and over again. <laughs> I would watch that. I would watch the hell out of that. I would too. Ryder McStrikely has got the order of things all weird here because, spoiler alert, you see, Max's idea of a romantic dinner is turning your date into a bloodsucker. That is very much not what's going on right now. Not at all. He's just giving this lady a job. But that's not all that's lurking in Santa Carla's shadows. Sam, ever the comic book enthusiast, stumbles upon the Frog Brothers, Edgar and Alan, played by Corey fucking Feldman and Jameson Newlander. That's the right way to do that, and I appreciate <laughs> that. Corey Feldman 
is leaning in so hard. So hard. He reminds us why he was as brilliant as he was. Yes. He's doing... Is he doing a Stallone impersonation? It seems like he's doing Stallone. He kind of is. He's definitely Ramboing a little bit, but I just love how much of like a tough guy act he's doing, but it's so <laughs> subdued at the same time. Man, he's so good. He's excellent. Forget superheroes. They're all about survival guides to combat vampires. They hand Sam vampires everywhere and destroy all vampires just in case he needs to turn the tables on the undead. They're playing real coy with this comic book because they hand it to Sam and they're like, hey, you need to read this. He goes, I'm not into horror books. And they're like, no, 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 save your you life. need to read. He's like, I don't know what you're not fucking hearing about this. I said I'm not in the horror books. Just tell the guy, listen, this is a real fucked up town. There's a lot of people like biting <laughs> necks. People are flying through the air. They pull you out of convertibles and shit. Yeah, I understand the camel work from the helicopter isn't the best, but it should be scary as hell. <laughs> and I should mention the camel work in the helicopter for all the Vampo flying shots is fucking terrible. It's, it's not great. <laughs> it's like they flew the helicopter over, forgot to tell the actors action, and then just tried to find them. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like. No, it's with intention. They're flying. You are the vampire slash helicopter. <laughs> I have copies of Vampires Everywhere and Destroy All Vampires. Well, all right. Well, you know, you move somewhere and they hand you free comics and you're like, well, I guess I better read these just in case. You never know. They came with 3D glasses. That is unapologetically 80s. That's where we're landing right now. As the night creeps in, Michael's fascination with the elusive star leads him to a motorcycle gang led by the mysterious David, played by Kiefer fucking Sutherland. He's real good in this movie. He has the fewest lines of all of the, the main actors and has the best performance of all of them. He does. And the best part is he has the fewest lines, but he also says Michael <laughs> the most that anyone's ever said Michael, Michael. ever, just ever. Like, any yeah. Michael who's ever existed in the world has never heard the word Michael this much in their entire lives. If you're drinking along with us uh, and you want to you wanna die earlier... <laughs> That's the easy way to do it. Get out of your car, turn on this movie, and drink every time they say Michael. It's 118 times. My God, that's so many. It's going to say you'll die in the first montage of Michaels. <laughs> Michael. 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 <laughs> this movie should just be called Michael, but in quotation marks. They did that in the 90s. There's a Michael movie. Yeah, but is it in quotation marks? No, no, they just went for it. Yeah. You know, there's some weird fucking creep out there who's got a thing for Kiefer Sutherland. His name's Michael, and he puts this movie on whenever he's just <laughs> feeling a little bit lonely. Feeling kind of lonely tonight. I think I'll just put on the TV and Michael, Michael. <laughs> Those are maggots, Michael. Ah, <laughs> uh, He's so good. There's something equal parts charming and creepy about ending every sentence with the person you're talking to's name, Dave. It's very Joe Bluth. That's true. Is Michael Bluth a vampire? Maybe. There's a Michael, and you have Joe always constantly saying, well, where'd the gasoline come from, Michael? <laughs> it's an illusion, Michael. It's an illusion, Michael. <laughs> they invite Michael to join but initiate him in a rather unusual way, involving Chinese takeout and a wine bottle that's not exactly filled with Cabernet. They openly tell him it's blood. And he goes, Star, nah. Star tells him it's blood. He's like, it's not blood. Nah. Just like those weren't worms or maggots. It was just rice and noodles. Michael deserves everything that's coming to him. <laughs> he kind of does. Michael's transformation begins, and it becomes more mysterious than the guy playing a saxophone covered in more <laughs> grease than a bloodsucker at a barbecue. There you go. Uh, don't know where the bloodsucker at a barbecue comes from, but I appreciate it. It's a very well-known expression, David. Oh, God, I hate it. <laughs> the trouble brews as Michael starts acting weird, day-sleeping and snacking on, well, <laughs> let's call it unconventional cuisine. I like how day-sleeping is the first red flag. <laughs> If day sleeping means you're weird, then I am a strange boy. Yes, you are. Sam's dog, Nanook, goes bonkers and attacks Michael, revealing his non-reflective state. It's like a semi-reflective state. He has a reflection. It's just translucent. <gasps> because he's a half-vampire. Okay, Guillermo. That's only for people who are caught up on what we do in the shadows. That's mm. not going to land with anyone, really. 
So I know a lot me, of people for sure. dropped off that show a long time ago, and you're making a mistake. Sam connects the dots and suspects Max is the vampire mastermind behind it all. But here's the kicker. Max is dating their mom, Lucy, and that puts a stake in their plans. Wow. Stake in their plans. It's pretty good. I like how much Lucy's like into this guy, Max. Max seems totally chill with just about everything that's going on, even though it's completely ridiculous. But <laughs> I love how when Max comes over for dinner, he even makes the joke to Michael, like, aren't you going to invite me in? And I went, ooh, vampire. Oh, <laughs> right. But then they go through all the things with the garlic and the holy water and the and they're like, ah, he's, he's not a vampire. Hilarity ensued, yes. David's gang, the Lost Boys, are they actually called that? I don't know if they are. I couldn't actually figure out where the title came from because they seem to be found all the time. Everyone knows where these vampos are for the most part. <laughs> uh, Lost Boys, basically the premise of this movie was one of the writers was like, hey, what if the reason Peter Pan came out at night and never grew up and could fly was because he was actually a vampire? I love that! Right? Where is that in this story? Ask the people at Disney. But that thing's got to be like in public domain at this point. Like, can you imagine imagine. Peter Pan flying through a window and he just seduces Wendy or whatever? And eventually he's like, I don't actually love you. You just look real tasty. (laughs) Boys need a mom. (laughs) (laughs) So David's gang, the Lost Boys, according to writer McStrikely, shows their true colors when they feast on a bunch of unsuspecting teens. They gotta eat, I get it. These teens are known as the surf Nazis. So I feel like if you're gonna kill anybody... I feel like Lloyd Kaufman would sue if he knew that. Michael's stuck in their world, and there's no Batmobile to save him. (laughs) What? Is that a Schumacher joke? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Ryder McStrikely. What does that even mean? He feels like he's really phoning it in on this one. There's no Batmobile to save them, because that's the only hero I've ever heard of as a computer. Unless it's like a really elaborate Schumacher joke. That would be pretty great. And, oh, God, how awesome would that be? You got fucking Joker showing up in this movie or something like that? I'm the king vampire! (laughs) I like that it's Mark Hamill voice, but it would probably be played by Nicholson. Yeah, that would be pretty great, wouldn't it? Everyone's like, Tim Burton, he's the one who figured it out first. Like, nah, dude, they put Joker in a movie two years before that thing came out. That ripoff of a movie from The Lost Boys. Restore the Schumacher-verse. Oh, they did in 95. They absolutely did. They just continued because <laughs> there's no Batmobile to save him here, so he threw it in later. Come here, Michael. Give me that sweet neck. <laughs> just Mark Hamill sucking on a boy. That's probably something you shouldn't say. Yikes. But it's true. <laughs> but it's true. Can't not speak truth to power. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up with Ryder McStrikely. You can't in this one. He's all over the place. Star, who's battling her own monster within problem, helps Michael navigate his newfound condition. By boning him? I guess. Is that how you help somebody navigate their newfound conditions? Like, I guess I gotta fuck you. I don't... <laughs> I guess we'll we'll kick this child out of the room. I say room because it's a bed surrounded by hanging blankets. <laughs> so let's get this child out of here and then we'll bone. That's respectful, at least. <laughs> like, well, where were you going to put this child? I don't know, somewhere else in a cave. Find an alcove or something for this little piece of shit. Whose idea was it to be like, you know what this biker gang needs? A kid. The kid serves no purpose. Absolutely no purpose. But granted, Michael also serves no purpose. <laughs> and also Star? Yeah, you guessed it. No purpose. Star is what they needed to get Michael with no purpose to have a purpose of finding vampires. I'm happy that movies don't MacGuffin Poon nearly as much anymore. (laughs) Right? MacGuffin Poon. The big reveal? They need to take on the head vampire David and his gang to break free from their half-vampire predicament. But they don't really know that David's the head vampire, despite literally all the evidence saying that David is the head vampire. Michael is pretty, has a pretty good idea that it's David. And I think Star thinks it's David. But the Vampo Hunters, the Frog Brothers, and Sam and Nanook, they, I don't know. They have no clue. Even though I feel like these Vampos are walking in like Mighty Ducks Flying V the entire time. It's always being You know led who by the Keith. leader is. Yeah. Hey, who's the most charismatic of this group? The guy who talks. 
Oh, what a giveaway. <laughs> the one who says your name all the time, that's the guy who's running the show. <laughs> the Frog Brothers, Sam and Anook, rally for a showdown. Armed with holy water, garlic, and steaks, they're ready for battle. It's a heart-pounding showdown, with the gang taking on the Lost Boys, but it's missing one crucial element, the head vampire. So, Ryder McStrike decided to skip the entire reveal of Michael becoming a vampire, and Sam yep. learning that he's a vampire, which is kind of the entire crux of this movie. Yeah, the whole middle part of the movie. Is the movie, where these brothers have to navigate, got a vampo bro, and you just got a normal bro who's 16 while filming this thing, but he plays down to eight, and he also takes baths like he's two. <laughs> it's very weird. I don't understand the ages of anybody in this family. I don't know. And, like, you look at Corey Heyman, this bath, and be like, the kid's got, like, pecs and shit. He's clearly worked out. He's not a child. <laughs> well, I guess the original script was going to be about a bunch of kids vampire hunting and like they were gonna be child vampires and the frog brothers were only supposed to be like eight years old until they found out the Corys were available and whoever the other chuckle fuck is and then schumacher got a hold of it and he's like no vampires are sexy make them older that doesn't make sense that logical leap <laughs> well you can't have sexy kid vampires you totally could like if they put Baby vampos and baby geniuses, that movie doesn't suck nearly as much. <laughs> Look, Dick Donner wanted just a fun, let's have all these kids hunting vampires kind of movie, and then Joel Schumacher said, no, I want vampires that fuck. That would actually be a better title for this movie. Vampires, vampires that, that fuck. fuck? Isn't that what Twilight is? <laughs> we'll get there. Will we? I have never seen Twilight. I have seen one of them. Can I ask you uh, why? Uh, I was dating a person at the time. That's the only was answer. Like, got it. We got to go. And I was like, fine, I'll see the last Twilight movie. <laughs> what a way to dive in. Part two of the, the two movie finale. That's like the perfect first and last date. <laughs> right? That would be like if you took a girl to go like see Endgame or something like that. Yeah. So, oh, have you not seen any of the other Marvel movies? Well, you're going to be lost, but it's three hours. Sit tight. Hey, I thought Spider-Man and Iron Man and all these other people were in this movie. Yeah, about that. Maybe eventually. <laughs> a character died in this movie, and I laughed out loud and got the just most evil glare I've ever received in my entire life. In this movie? In the second Twilight. I don't even oh, know okay. the name of it. The second final Twilight. The last Twilight. Also, the majority of that movie is a dream sequence. There. Spoilers. Jeez. Are all you sparkle vampos out there? I've seen your movie yet. Max, the seemingly harmless video store owner, spills the blood-soaked beans. He's the mastermind, and he's got a thing for turning families into undead Brady bunches. <laughs> um, yeah, I've never needed anything more in my life than that. Like a nice blended family. Yeah. In the 60s. Like vampire family and a non-vampire family come together and hilarity I don't even know ensues. if I wanted to be non-vampo. I wanted to be full vampo. Well, they become vampires eventually throughout the movie. You're saying that, like, the brothers or something like that, they're going to come in and just, like, neck their sisters or something? Because that's not great, Brian. One by one, they all become vampires. I hate it. Even though it's very important for the Brady Bunch, because apparently there was uh, side-boning going on in that weird yeah yeah it is so weird <laughs> well they were technically step siblings so that no would track. brian no no bad brian i'm just saying that would bad. track with with today's trends <laughs> in terms of like the most searched for stuff on pornhub <laughs> we've talked about that we have far too many times step bro i hate it now, all of a sudden, I'm out. Uh, all of a sudden. <laughs> Just like that. Mark Cuban, and for those reasons, I'm out. As Max is about to sink his teeth into Lucy, Grandpa crashes the party with a truck full of wooden fence posts, giving Max a pointy surprise. As you do, yeah. As the dust settles, Michael, Star, and Laddie return to their human selves, and Grandpa, the unsung hero, casually grabs a root beer from the fridge and drops this gem. 
One thing about living in Santa Carla I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. That is such a great ending line because it it's raises so, good. so many more questions. <laughs> so good. Ryder McStrikely gets an F for this episode. He really phoned it in on this one. He really did. I'm, I'm disappointed. There's so much that's missing. <laughs> My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Wait <laughs> till mom finds out. in cinema. It's so good. It's up there with like Rosebud and we'll always have Paris. <laughs> yeah. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And then my own shit sucking brother. Beautiful. There's actually a very widely held fan theory that grandpa was also a half vampire and that the root beer was actually animal blood because of all of his taxidermy. I think it's a great theory. That's kind of the one I thought it was at the end of this of. Yeah. Scraps of vampo. So he's always kind of like looking at everybody and like he really doesn't like Max. Hmm. He might be onto something. Maybe he's like the King Vampo, not just the head Vampo. Yeah, maybe there's <laughs> different levels. You just got to kill your Grand Vampo in order to become human again if you're a half Vampo. I'd stake my grandfather for that. 100%. If I knew I was doing good in the world. <laughs> not your grandfather. Come on, Pop Pop. I'll take the risk. It would be whoever bit you's biter. I feel like Ancestry.com could have made a lot of money if they really just targeted the Vampo market a bit better. Yeah, definitely. I'm really digging Vampo, too. I don't think that's established terminology, but it is now. It's just easier to say. Vampire doesn't flow well at it all. It doesn't. just doesn't feel right, but you throw out a Vampo, it ugh, feels good every time. Vampires are in dire need of rebranding. I submit Vampo. It's sleeker, sexier. It is sleeker and sexier, but I mean... In today's age, if you were going to rebrand vampires, you know it would be spelled like V-A-M-P-R. And that's <laughs> just, annoying. Just take out all the vowels. Just get rid of all of them. We don't need them. Vamper, the new app to find vampos near you. Speaking of Twilight, Corey Haim said that all the blood had glitter in it to give it a shimmering effect, and it was a little bit slimier than other fake blood. That was in a documentary called Blood Sucking Cinema that came out in 2007. Okay. There you go. So, the more you know, do, 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 do. The origin of sparkly blood and sparkly vampires. Lost Boys. Right there. Uh, story motivation for this thing, for this movie, for this feature film. <laughs> yeah. It's like a seven. <laughs> a seven? I think. Yeah. I don't know. I felt dirty for some reason. <laughs> dirty how? Like, it's too low? I think you're right. Yeah, you think so? But uh, I really liked it. But it was just, I really like there it. There were so many things in it where I was just like, well, hold, what, hold, what, what? I think everything tracks. Everything makes sense. What are your questions? It's mostly about Corey Haim. It's almost exclusively Corey Haim questions. And they all start with why. My biggest question is all the cool people live in Phoenix and not on the coast in California? Three cool people, allegedly. I'm very confused about how you move from Phoenix to a literal beach town in California, and everybody's like, oh, who's the cool kid from Arizona? It's Phoenix. It's exotic, I guess. Yeah. To beach people. They dress up in weird fashion. You're saying there's a place with more sand than the beaches of California? <laughs> you have more sand, less water? That's so cool. Whoa, how do you surf on that? <laughs> yeah, seven for story motivation. That's fine. <laughs> right? casting it's ridiculously good it's so much fun my first thought was nine like an easy nine though yeah do you know that at one point they were interested in jim carrey for the part of david well i'm gonna knock it down to an eight then because they couldn't book him uh, what <laughs> i would How much rather jim carrey than Kiefer sutherland almost always in this because movie that vampire would have been amazing <laughs> Well, let me tell you something about drinking blood, Michael. <laughs> Listen, Michael, do you know my favorite thing to drink blood out of? It's a jug, Yalar. <laughs> How are those maggots, Michael? <laughs> do you think Jim Carrey would have tried to suck blood with his butt? I don't know. This is 80s Jim Carrey. I don't think he was quite there yet. That's like early 90s Jim Carrey's when the butt stuff came into play. For sure. <laughs> yeah. 90s Carrie is butt stuff Carrie. 100% is butt stuff Carrie. And then 2000s Carrie is serious Carrie. Right. He's trying to recover from his butt stuff era. Right. And he did, kind of. 
And it sounds like Taylor's just getting into hers. What? What? I don't know. That actually would be really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out Travis Kelsey is like, listen, I know the way I come off. And I know that you think <laughs> I'm all about just the banging and the touchdowns and living that football life. But no, 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 no. I won't have sex before marriage. Yeah, I mean, your butt's fair game, but. <laughs> I was just trying to make an eras joke, and that snowballed. Don't you dare. <laughs> Why would you bring up snowball while we're talking about uh, God damn it. that type of stuff? So nine for casting? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm happy you recognized your mistake. That's good. <laughs> Let's talk about the protagonist. Who? Is it Michael? Sam? Who is it? It's probably Sam. It feels like Sam. There's never been a character in a movie that I've been A, more annoyed with, and B, wanted to hang out with. <laughs> That's just the type of annoying that I like spending my time with. And then when I found out he took a bath, I'd be like, absolutely not. We can't be friends <laughs> You're ever too again old to like that. Bathing. You're allowed to take a bath, folks. That's not the part yes. I'm upset with. It's Corey Haim specifically <laughs> taking a bath. That is very upsetting. Michael was like, go take your bath. Like, this is a regular occurrence. This he, this boy does not shower. He only bathes. This is somehow a weirder bath than Francis in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> it is. I wish I could remember what song he was singing. Because when he gets to those, that high part, oh, makes me so happy. It's very good. It's a, I mean, he does well, I guess. Good bath acting. This is great bath acting. <laughs> Uh, protagonist? Yes, yeah, six. Six? Feels high, but I'm here for it. Antagonist. It's got to be David. David, Max, all the damn vampires, Santa Carla itself? Mostly David. He's fantastic in this movie. He's so good. I like when he goes from like human form to bat form. It looks great. Yeah. He's got like the right amount of like fucked up face for that thing to land. The uh, The prosthetics, they didn't overdo it. Because, again, Schumacher was like, I want sexy vampires. He's got a weird patchy beard that they had to, like, work around. Do you think it's a natural beard? Like, Kiefer's just like, listen, I can't grow that beard. 100%. I can't go breathy enough for him. Well, you're trying to go 24. Go Lost Boys. I don't know if I can go Lost Boys. Kiefer Sutherland's like one of those actors where he always sounds like he's out of breath. And, I mean, frankly, if you're going to do that, it's just, like, asthmatic almost. Like, if you watch him in Dark City, forget it. It's a miracle that man's standing. Inhale, damn it. <laughs> Please. What's your problem, Kiefer? It's almost as bad as like the kid from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> Stevie. Is that what it was? It was Stevie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a show. I read something somewhere about David's wheelchair, and that raised so many questions for me. Apparently, that's one of the things that's in the their underground hotel lair is David's wheelchair. What's the thing you read? Is it just that he has one? It was just listed as one of the things that was one of the props in the lair. Okay. <laughs> so I guess at one point David needed a wheelchair and then became a vampire didn't need it anymore. Maybe he keeps that wheelchair around to just remind himself of normal times when he was, you know, living in an it's apartment complex like... with his broken leg and all of a sudden he's Jimmy Stewart in rear window looking through his binoculars trying to see which one of his neighbors is the most tasty. That would be fun if he was like a landlord in rear window and he's just... You know, sucking his neighbors to death. I like that this has just become us listing movies that would be fun as vampire movies. Well, I'm okay with this. Arrested Development, but they're all vampires. I love it. No, only Job is a vampire. Even better. He has already the hairline for a vampire, I imagine. I would watch a Will Arnett vampire movie. 100%. What were we talking about, Antagonist? Yeah, nine. Nine. <laughs> Screenplay. This is written by a bunch of people. Yeah, it's Janice Fisher, James Jeremias, and Jeffrey Bohm. Half of the script is the word Michael. Yeah, it is. And that's a choice. It sure is. There's some really good lines in this thing. I think it's... There absolutely are. I'm going to go with uh, eight. I like it. Even though it feels so high. Why? It does feel very Whoa. high. but It came out and then just felt wrong, but the wrongness feels so right. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Wait till mom finds out. The wait till mom finds out is the, the best part of that. That's what sends it. Home. Oh, Absolutely. so good. Can you imagine the Godfather with vampires? Yeah. Like Michael goes into the bathroom, comes out, 
but he has like army crawling so no one sees him and then he just bites the police sergeant on the neck (laughs) instead of having to shoot him i love it i would enjoy that a lot better movie and that says something because that's the goddamn godfather that says a lot style and tone i haven't gauged what level of 80s this movie is yet but it is so ridiculously 80s gratuitously 80s another eight it's gotta be it's gotta be an eight for 80s director it's joel fucking schumacher sure as hell is joel schumacher is not a good director in my book and never (laughs) has been it's not great he's not so much in his dutch angle phase of his life yet with this thing but my god these tracking shots with the helicopter it helicopter so POV shots <laughs> often, and they're all terrible. They're not great. And he, you know what? There's plenty of dutching happening here, especially in the helicopters. The helicopter's just hoping to find a person. Like, most of the time, I don't understand how they're like, yeah, print that. That fucked. That was a great <laughs> shot, guys. Man, I've never felt more like a vampo flying through the air looking for a victim. Did you guys make sure you use the zoom? Yeah, he used to zoom. All right, that's pretty awesome. You guys nailed it. <laughs> oh, you didn't see anything? That's fine. Suspension of disbelief. Audience will buy right in. Classic Joey Shoe. Yeah, I think he's a terrible director. I'll go uh, four. Four. Yeah, I do he, not like Joel Schumacher. Thing. He's not a great director, but I, I don't hate what he did with this. Why don't you hate what he did with this? It's just because you like the movie, damn it. Yeah, pretty much. All right, five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the pity five. That's what it is. I'm not going to give you much more than that. I, uh, That's What fine. he does just bothers me most of the time. I understand why. Okay. I was gonna say, this is a man who I feel like skipped all of pre-production, showed up on set one day and said, we've got a camera, right? Well, that's lucky for us. Action. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're going to do. Mount that sucker to the bottom of a helicopter. And let's go fucking wild. Not good. Not good. Not good. <laughs> Uh, all right, five for director. Let's talk about music. I'm dying to talk about music. It's got to be really high. Thomas Newman did the the score, but it's the actual music. It's it's your "Cry Little Sister" by Gerard McMahon, and the Echo and the Bunnymen cover of the Doors. People are strange. That just drops in so perfectly. It is dead on with that song. The amount of covers on this soundtrack is insane. It's just like, we want all the good 80s songs, but we don't want to pay for them. But then you get, like, Roger Daltrey doing an Elton John cover. And that's a really cool choice. It is. The part I don't understand is how Thomas Newman did this. Because Thomas Newman also did Shawshank. Yep. He also did American Beauty. He also did Green Mile. He also did Finding Nemo, weirdly. He also did Cinderella, man. I mean, I'm skipping so many things because he's done so many things. That the Lost Boys almost seems like an outlier. A little bit. It's like he sat in front of an organ for a night and said, okay, let's do this movie. Just fell asleep on it and just left the record button going. <sighs> and you're like, oh, maybe he could do a Phantom of the Opera. You know what's crazy about Thomas Newman? What? Nominated for 15 Oscars. Wow. No wins. No wins. No wins. No way. The first one he got nominated for was Shawshank, but he also got nominated for things like Skyfall and Bridge of Spies and Wally. Like he has range. I wonder what the the highest level of nominations without a win is. I googled it, and it's pretty much just all actors are talking about. Yeah, it checks out. So they don't care about the common folk. They don't give a rat's ass. Glenn Close, eight nominations, no wins. Just chill on that. That's a that's a crime. That's a crime. That feels illegal. That feels like someone's never seen Air Force One. Somebody needs to go to jail right now over (laughs) the Glenn Close situation. That's the one I'm going to draw the line at. (laughs) Uh, Thomas Newman. He knocks out of the park. He always will knock it out of the park. Seven. Seven. I want to give it a greased up saxophone player bump. Okay, nine. (laughs) Nine. It's that good. It's it's so good. Tim Capello doing his, his cover of I Still Believe by The Call. It's so good that it's on the cover of one of the Lost Boys comic books. Just him playing saxophone. I feel like he's on a level of that weird guitar thing riding on the front of one of the Mad Max cars. Yeah. 
That's what it reminded me of. I completely agree with that. He's like in this movie for 20 seconds and is probably one of the most famous, iconic parts of the movie. They almost used him too early, I feel like. It's it's distracting. It's kind of like when Hitchcock used to throw himself into movies for his cameo. Yeah. He's like, I got to move it towards the front because that's what everyone's looking for. <laughs> Joel Schumacher. He's like, oh, I got to get the greased up saxophone player in there quick. <laughs> that way people can pay attention to the movie. It was a good choice. Nine for music. Box office. This thing only cost eight and a half million dollars to make. Yeah, I'm actually a little surprised it was that much, to tell you the truth. They only had like two shots in the entire movie that were green screen, and it was like the final fight between Michael and David and one other one, which is also, I think, during that same sequence. That's fine. If you had asked me without telling me what the budget was, I would have said probably on four or five, somewhere in that range. Really? Yeah. Joel Schumacher. So I'm a little surprised. Okay. Eight and a half million. Most of it went to the soundtrack. <laughs> Opening weekend, it made five million. Finished second after The Living Daylights. Ooh, at the same time, little Bond La Bamba there. and La Bamba's Robocop. great. Robocop's the best. Robocop was number one the week before Living Daylights and Lost Boys came out, but it moved down to number four. Never forget that Robocop shot a guy in the dick. Never sure forget. Sure did. And uh, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Quest for Peace? Was also oh, what a during film. the same time period. So. True cinema. Some Full Metal Jacket, Dragnet. It was, it was an interesting time. <laughs> it sure was. But this movie ended up grossing $32.5 million, which is a 382% return on investment, which is a nine. Yeah, that deserves it. That's pretty impressive that it did that. It made its money back and then some, and then also went on to cult status. So let's talk about its impact on the industry. I can't decide with this one, because I know that people love this movie. Yes. And now I'm happy to be included in it. (laughs) but what did this movie do to the industry itself yeah there's a lot of huge names that went through this thing but also only huge at the time like Kiefer's the only one who got out and Diane Weist Um, was already a thing she was definitely a thing people were surprised that she did this movie because she was just coming off an Oscar uh, win Oscar yeah this is the first movie to break together the Corys that's gotta count for something because that is gotta count a weird bit of pop culture it also is credited as being one of the very first movies to kind of bring that sexiness to vampires in the film industry. I kind of want to go seven. Okay. I don't know why six feels too low, but eight feels way too high. Eight feels way too high, but you're right. I think six feels too low, so seven's that sweet spot. How you feeling? Did you open a new drink? I hope not. You know what? Oh, he's feeling bold. I don't know where this lands on the Rotten Tomatoes, but I assume it's somewhere around where we've got it. <laughs> I just looked it up and. Like, my finger's on the tab of this drink right now, and I'm a little scared. Do or die. Oh, the moment of truth. Oh, it is. we're going for it. Hit me! That's going to give the Lost Boys a total score of 77. Fuck me! God damn it! On the oh, fucking no. nose! 77 is the critical score. 85 is the audience score. Oh. That is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you did that. You did it. You're the one who baited me. I didn't even know. Everyone stop what you're doing. Drink and God drink. Damn it. Just drink every time like we say Michael. Blood or something. I don't know. Go like get a tube, siphon it out, and put it on your gal's neck, and then suck from there. Make it appropriate. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Happy Spooktober. Oh, it's so carbonated. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for any belches that come out the rest of the way. (laughs) (laughs) That was full. Proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, Dave, that was a great pick. Yeah, I know. High five to me. (laughs) Good good job. That was an excellent pick. Brian, next week, it's your pick. And maybe this time, go with a horror movie. That'd be great. Right? The last one was some sort of French. Robert. Robert. It's not a horror movie, is even though it was built as one. So I'm going to go with something I know is a horror movie. It's a classic horror movie that somehow has escaped me. I feel like you're just going to go the whole way to make up for rubber. I've got some points I need to get back. I need to earn back. <laughs> so for week three of Spooktober, we will be talking about The Exorcist. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I have like vivid memories of watching that for the first time, and it scared the shit out of me. I this have is incredibly never exciting. seen it. 
Oh, God, I'm excited. Everybody, reach through your phones or whatever you're listening on. Feel my nipples. This is thrilling. <laughs> you think you're excited? Feel these nipples. I'll tell you right now, Brad Guy, you've already made up for it. You're good now. That's a fantastic oh, pick. If you if you take Exorcist and Rubber and put them together and get the average, oh, you I got two scary. Movies. You are straight down the middle. Yep. All right. <laughs> nice. Great pick. Next week, The Exorcist. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Send us your spooky movie suggestions for this month's listener pick at the end of the month. And of course, as always, our patrons get double the picks. So join us on Patreon this month for. Our uncomfortable discussions bracket or annoying conversations. I don't know what we're calling it, but it's conversations that you don't want to have. It's a really good bracket. And the people who are going to be on are really good and socially (laughs) full of rage. So it should be perfect. That's the best kind of person to have on that kind of episode. So email us your picks, your questions, your comments to beermemoviepod at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at beermemovie on everything. Or at Beer Me Movie Pod on Twitter slash X, since that's still somehow a thing. But mostly Facebook. Follow us on Facebook at Beer Me a Movie, where you can always find us putting up a post on our recording days asking for your questions and comments. And as you can imagine, yeah, we got them. Yeah, this movie has a lot to question, so. Michael wants to know, who's your favorite, Corey? Ooh, I'm going to go with two-time MCU baddie Corey Stoll. That is... An interesting Corey to pick. <laughs> I did not expect to get Yellow Jacket on this episode. <laughs> what? Was I supposed to go with Hamer Feldman? I think that's where he was kind of going with it, but that's a really good Corey pick. I love Corey Stoll. When Corey Stoll shows up in a movie, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, you're 100% in. This fucking guy. He has this kind of ability to play charming, but at the same time, you know. Probably you the know, bad deep guy. in your soul, this probably guy's going to flip it. Probably the bad point. guy. Like, oh, he's great in House of Cards, that show that we shouldn't talk about ever. And then he's like, oh, he's pretty terrible. I don't know how that works. Are we allowed to talk about that again? I don't know. I don't either. Kevin Space is a weird subject. Sure is. I'm going Corey Feldman, by the way, because uh, Stand By Me, his performance in that is mm. just phenomenal. Yeah. That's enough to do it. The boring answer. Don't care. Don't care. Next question from Jeff Miners. He said, apart from the 24-hour stream, I like how he threw that in there. It's important to note coming up. He said, apart from the 24-hour stream from a couple of years ago, when was the last time you were able to party all night? My oldest kid just turned six, so yeah, it's been that long. It's been at least six years. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time I partied all night? Well, I don't know. A few weeks ago, I went to bed pretty late. That's not all night. Wasn't sun up late, so I guess that doesn't count. It was like four or five in the morning, though. I mean, I've seen the sun come up plenty of times, but again, three kids. That's bound to happen. Yeah, I think the last time that I legitimately was up when the sun came up was probably like a college graduation party. That sounds about right. So, I can't do it anymore. I'll try, but I'm not it won't go well. <laughs> Phil Hot Dick Hawkins, he wants to know why are vampires always depicted as sexy on film? I want a horror movie about a vampire coven of weebs and neck beards. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Just really unsexy the vampires. You really could, though. It would be terrific to watch, though. Just like, I can live forever now, so imagine what level I can get my World of Warcraft characters to. I haven't seen sunlight in years. This is ideal, actually. <laughs> oh, you're saying I have an excuse to stay inside all the time now? Excellent. Does Mountain Dew make a blood flavor? Bob! I need more blood! <laughs> yeah, I'd watch the hell out of that, too. And Mike Lanham! Because it's our show, he's got a wet bed behead for us. Yeah, let's do it. He put in quotes, should have been a bigger Hollywood star. And he lists the three names out here, and it's really interesting, actually. Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, and Ooh. Alex Winter, who is Holy very much in this movie. Yeah, Alex Winter is very much in this movie as, as Marco, the small one. I confuse Alex Winter and Barry Pepper all the time. Who's Barry Pepper? Saving Private Ryan. Green Mile. Which I've never seen. Really? Really. Holy shit. Wait, what, do yeah. you, what do you do? <laughs> I don't watch movies. I don't know why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Barry Pepper in anything. That said, Alex Winter is my my wed. Just because he's not a Corey? Because he's not a Corey. You're not going to have that drama built in. <laughs> he's got a face that's like, this guy should be in lots of movies. I agree. It's an interesting face. I would probably wed him also, but then I'm stuck with my favorite Corey, Corey Feldman. But I really don't want to uh, bed him. I don't want to bed him. I'm not Michael Jackson. That's exactly what he looks like. Like he's gonna moonwalk onto my mid region backwards, and I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> so we're gonna kill Corey Feldman. We might. My core, my favorite Corey's got to die because, yeah, he's a terrific talent and actor, but I want nothing to do with him sexually. I've seen, I've seen Corey Haim in the bath, and well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird way to look at it, but not wrong. <laughs> Uh, Michael Adam, you did this to yourself? He did. No, he did it to us. He That's fair he also. He knows exactly what he did. You guys are all fantastic. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Brian, do you have anything else? Yes. Speaking of the 24-hour stream, we are going to be raising money again this month on Patreon. Everything we make is going to the Extra Life Foundation to raise money for kids with cancer. So get on that Patreon. Give us your money. And we'll give it to the kids. This is our fifth year in a row doing this now. Is it five years? Something like that. Four years, five years. Something Time like is just, it's a circle. I don't know how it, it might works be our anymore. fourth year. Every single dollar goes to the kids. Every single dollar. So All you're a patron it. now, up it for the month, take it back at the end of the month. That's fine. If you're not on That's Patreon, allowed. there's a shitload of content there, guys. It's like there's a whole so new much show. Content. It's ridiculous. As little as $1 a month, every single dollar going to charity. And if you haven't heard last month's episode, uh, The Redemption of the Christ, you need to. You really do need to. I want to do so many more of those. That was so much fun to do. (laughs) (laughs) That was a blast. Every single dollar going to charity. Patreon.com slash Beer Me a Movie. Go there. Donate. Every single dollar is going to charity. Every dollar. Go, 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 go. Go do the thing. But besides that, Brian, you got anything else? Yeah, I was reading Barry Pepper's IMDb page. I saw him in Enemy of the State, and that's oh, it. Oh, goody. Great, great. Uh, Brian, <laughs> no, got anything else? No, I don't have anything else. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for The Exorcist. We'll see you then. Bye.